Welcome to Real Talk presented by Scotiabank. Today, we're going to be having an important conversation, and it's a conversation that needs to take place every day, uh, particularly in hockey. It'll be regarding diversity uh, and inclusion. So it's a fantastic opportunity to listen and more importantly, to learn. Our guest today will be Jonas Wirth, the Director of Partnerships and Development at You Can Play, and none other than Nick Suzuki, uh, the Montreal Canadiens Ambassador for You Can Play, and also obviously an important part of the organization. So let's get straight to that conversation. And we're very lucky to be joined by two very special guests. Um, obviously, we have Jonas Wirth here. He's the Director of Partnerships and Development at You Can Play. Welcome, Jonas. Thanks very much for having me. And some of you maybe, maybe will recognize our other guest, uh, none other than Montreal Canadiens forward Nick Suzuki, uh, who is also the You Can Play ambassador for the team. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thank you for having me too. Let's get to Nick's, and obviously Nick represents the, not the great hope, but the next generation who always improves upon the older generation. Nick, with your experience in hockey, you played in the OHL, you played in the NHL. Have you ever witnessed any instances of prejudice, uh, whether it be LGBTQ or, uh, you know, an ethnic uh, issue? Have you ever experienced any kind of microaggressions on or off the ice as a player? Uh, to be honest, I think uh, our generation, like you said, that we've learned a ton. Uh, we kind of grew up with a lot of the issues uh, coming to the forefront. And uh, to be honest, there hasn't been much, um, maybe like none at all, to be honest. Um, I think just as uh, players, we've learned and uh, been cautious to use different words. Um, maybe when we were really young, we didn't really understand what those words meant. But as we got older, um, it really stopped and uh, people were more cautious of what they were trying to say. Do you feel like hockey's become more of an inclusive space? Because um, you're in those locker rooms and we all know some of the language that can be used. Do you feel like it's progressed since you've started playing uh, hockey, Nick? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think when I was in minor hockey, uh, me being, I'm a quarter Asian, we had some Korean hockey players. Um, we we're always included. Um, I think as a hockey community, uh, inclusion is a big part of our game. Um, no matter where you're coming from, uh, what language you speak, anything that from your background or uh, how you uh, like to handle yourself, I think just inclusion is a huge part of hockey and uh, you just want to be there for your teammates. You know, since you can play, since the inception of you can play, um, education and awareness of the LGBTQ community and the issues have increased significantly. But how far have we really come, Jonas? Um, and what tangible results have you seen since we've started making a real effort, uh, you know, to have these discussions? I think it's moving forward almost every single day from, from a league perspective, uh, from a Montreal Canadiens perspective. If you look back at that first video, you know, there were some really prominent hockey players uh, being willing to, to step forward and talk about the importance of you can play. And for a couple of years, like that was the main messaging. Let's, let's, let's create some messaging on video and put it out there. And now, especially in the last 12 to 18 months, as we've seen, you know, athletes from all sports increase their awareness and even uh, your voice uh, in social justice. I think we've seen that, you know, an authentic year-round commitment to being an ally to underserved communities or underrepresented communities in hockey is, is a big deal. And you don't have to be a, a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert to use your platform. 
And I would say that, you know, the realization by athletes and the leagues about how important it is to make these connections and, and really, you know, work behind the scenes as well is the biggest development. It's no longer just pride nights or going to a pride parade. People are working at this year round and that's the, that's the really hard hitting aspect of it. There has been a lot of progress in terms of, especially, I don't know if we would have had these discussions 10 years ago, but there's a lot of work left to do, right? Um, I mean, what would you describe the state of inclusion and not just in the NHL, for example, Jonas, from a grassroots level, how is that, uh, how is that discussion going? I think it's, it's gotten a lot better because we have the greatest amount of access to uh, educational resources and even having those conversations. I would say even now in this virtual environment where, you know, typically we would maybe have had to take a plane to go deliver some educational courses to, you know, like, uh, you know, the greater Toronto hockey league. Now we can actually have those conversations with, you know, the equivalent of 500 teams uh, in the greater Toronto area, you know, all across the country, all across North America. And that reach into grassroots education you're seeing the ripple effect. And like when uh, NHL agent Bane Pettinger came out last fall, fall of 2020, you know, his younger uh, clients, you know, guys like Connor McDavid were like, no problem. Yeah, you, you be your true self. Like we, we grew up in an environment where we didn't see, uh, you know, any examples of an NHL or many examples of, you know, the five major sports leagues having an openly gay men's player but the environment we're creating is getting a lot better and the younger generations like our guest here today i think they get that more than even 10 years ago and i'm seeing a major difference even in the athletes i work with from the grassroots level all the way up to the pros inclusion is a very important part now the next step obviously and, and jonas please please like correct me if i'm wrong here is using those platforms, as you had spoken about earlier, we know one person, one player in particular, a friend of yours, uh, Nick Curtis Gabriel with the Sharks, easily one of the most vocal person when it comes to um, obviously trans rights, anything in the LGBTQ community um, and including racism. You know, we've had players that are starting to speak out against racism recently. The George Floyd incident brought that to the forefront. Do you think players are getting more comfortable, Nick, nowadays talking about this and not just publicly, but privately in the locker room do you guys have these discussions yeah they definitely go on privately um there's a lot of uh news uh, that go gets out there and uh, as players we're always chatting of what's going on so just privately i think there's a ton of stuff but as hockey players uh it's almost it's not we don't really do a lot of almost like political or put stuff out there on social media um it's, it just hasn't been a thing but uh, it's been nice to see guys uh, get on social media, uh, say what they're feeling, like Curtis. He's been doing a great job of uh, educating himself and uh, speaking his true self. So um, it's something that's uh, getting into hockey. Some other sports have been doing it for a bit longer, but uh, it's good to see some of the players uh, get on social media to help out. Jonas, what would you suggest to a player that perhaps doesn't feel comfortable and, and it's not necessarily from a nefarious point of view. It's perhaps just that they don't quite understand it or they don't want to represent certain communities. What would, what's the message to the players that are um, perhaps don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, uh, discussing these subjects? I would say follow Curtis's lead because what he has demonstrated really well is that you don't need to be 
a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert to leverage your platform and bring underrepresented communities in hockey, whether we're talking about the LGBTQ plus community, whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about social class, even first language, right? Uh, you know, you can use that platform and say, I'm not an expert, right? And in this space, unlike on the ice, right? You've spent thousands of hours perfecting your craft on the ice. So you're trained to be an expert. You, you feel that need to have that high level of confidence, that high level of expertise. This is a space where you don't have to be an expert. In fact, you can probably spend every single day behind the scenes or on your social media platform learning. And it's okay to be uncomfortable in that situation. And we almost wanna get you know, comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, so what I would say is it doesn't require expertise. You know, if you are centering the impacted when it comes to uh, marginalized or underrepresented communities in hockey, that's a great way to use your platform. And I would encourage anyone who's comfortable doing so to do it. And if not, do the work behind the scenes, right? Do the work on your own to, you know, look into what are the barriers for different communities to get involved in hockey or to even just be a fan. And if you do that work behind the scenes, you know, that's, that's probably more authentic and impactful than anything else. I, I like to bring up homophobia. I think it's something that um, has, we've seen it in hockey. Uh, I've been in locker rooms. I, I don't think it was, in, uh, you know, obviously, uh, perhaps without the knowledge that you're trying to hurt someone, but it's a, it's a language that we hear a lot in locker rooms. We hear it at practice. Let's face it, Nick. I mean, I, you know, there's some words that just simply shouldn't be used anymore. Um, what type of steps can we take to completely erase those type of that type of hurtful language? So what type of discussions, like, would you, you're a younger player, would you ever be able to go up to, let's say a veteran that maybe hasn't gone through the same type of experience as you have, or hasn't learned as much as you and say like, Hey, you got to stop using that word because you're in a tricky situation, yeah. right? You can't just be <laughs> talking to veterans and telling, you know, they'll be like, Hey, Hey, shush now, you know? So yeah. would you be able to do that? I think so. I, I, I feel pretty comfortable uh, with our group. Um, our leadership group has done a great job of um, including our, us young guys. Uh, we don't, they don't see us as uh, young players or they just see us as part of the team. I can talk to them about anything. Jonas, I'd like to get your perspective on this because obviously there's some intersectionality here. We've talked about a lot of different things. Um, making it comfortable for people, whether or not they want to come out, obviously that's their own choice, but what kind of tangible steps do you think NHL teams can take to erase that type of hurtful language uh, from the everyday discourse? Well, let's start with the most important thing, winning, right? That's what we're here to do. We're here to lift the Stanley Cup. And if you think back to every single interview in a Stanley Cup winning locker room, you very rarely hear some guy say, oh, I hate my teammates. Everybody talks about a family environment. They talk about how we were basically a family and that's how we, we hold each other up. And when you foster an inclusive climate, including the language and a culture of respect, that could be for anything. That could be for your ethnicity. That could be for, uh, you know, your choice and who you love. That could be, you know, even respecting the guys who maybe come from Europe and were maybe not raised in as progressive cultures. You have to be able to meet them where they're at, right? If, if some guy grew up in, a, you know, an Eastern European culture that is maybe less tolerant of LGBTQ culture, and he's just learning the values of diversity and inclusion for the first time, 
let's respect where they're coming from, meet them where they're at, and we'll build this culture of respect and accountability. It's okay to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes in this journey. But if we're building that family environment, the one that, that, that really inclusive climate, that's going to actually foster a winning mentality of togetherness, you know, it, it might not be that we are the first team that has an openly gay player, but it might make it a lot more comfortable for the player who has maybe a sibling who is a member of the LGBTQ community, uh, maybe, maybe parents, maybe a, a really good friend. And when you build that culture in your locker room, there's, not, there's going to be less room for a negative impact of that language. And we might be talking these days more about casual homophobia than blatant homophobia, right? We might be talking about those statements that maybe lack intent, but they still have that impact. We want to reduce that impact for sure. Uh, and we want to create this environment for winning because inclusive values are championship values. And honestly, like I said, nobody ever said, uh, when they lifted the Stanley Cup, they're like, we won, but I hate my teammates. No, it's a family environment. It's built on a culture of respect and accountability. We hold each other accountable. And that's really what we want to talk about from a you can play perspective is like, we're, we want the same outcomes. And that, you know, a real win for us is that inclusive climate where people can really bring their true selves. Well, then let's let's think about that. Let's think long term a little bit. Um, I'm going to throw this to Jonas and then I'm going to ask Nick afterwards. But what type of practical solutions? Let's say you have open power to do to enact any type of uh, not rules, but, you know, obviously suggestions and and, um, you know, programs to make hockey a little more inclusive. What type of changes would you make if you had the power to do them immediately right now, uh, Jonas? For me, it wouldn't even be a massive change. What I, what I would like to do is bring some of these conversations in a convenient location for the players. So we can talk about what we just discussed. Like, hey, none of you may know a single member of the LGBTQ community, but here's what you might not see, right? Numerically speaking, you probably do know someone that just hasn't been able to bring their true self and, and maybe you know, get to the point where they trust you with their own identity or expression, but they exist. And then talking about the positive impact that fostering this inclusive climate can create. Honestly, if you gave me 30 minutes with the Habs roster uh, during preseason, I think I could, could convince them. And if we can, you know, duplicate that, which we are actually trying to do uh, at You Could Play, even in developing like digital mediums where we can have these conversations, I think it would be really impactful. And that's something that I think we can achieve right now, right? We don't have a massively diverse player demographic in the NHL yet, but we've seen how it's expanding. Yeah. We've seen, you know, the impact of, you know, Canada is a very multi multicultural place and we embrace that diversity for the most part. Right. And I think you've seen the positive impact on, you know, on, on the hockey community as a whole, and that's going to impact who becomes a pro. So if we can bring that similar attitude and mentality uh, through some simple training with the players, I, I think we can have a, a bigger discussion about one, you don't need to be an expert to embrace this. And two, it can have a positive impact, even if you don't have uh, an LGBTQ player in your locker room. And how would the players react to that, um, Nick, to, to, 
just having a session to sitting down and maybe perhaps opening their minds to some of these new ideas. Not everyone has gone through the same journey as you. Some of them are a little older. How do you think the Canadians locker room would react to that? Yeah, I think it'd be uh, good for players. Uh, there's other uh, small segments that we get to learn about in preseason, uh, some videos of other aspects of life. So I think just half an hour, even with Jonas, just to learn uh, with, with what everything is going on, uh, I think it would be, it would go a long way for the players uh, just to know uh, just a little information about it. Um, in junior, we uh, got to meet with Brock McGillis. Uh, so he, uh, he brought up the thing that if uh, you heard one of your teammates uh, say an inappropriate word, you could call him out and they'd have to do like 20 push up or push ups or something. Just a little thing like that to keep guys accountable. And what would you say, Nick, to perhaps some younger players, as Jonas was saying, that haven't quite, um, uh, I guess, not come to terms, but haven't quite, uh, you know, finalized their own identity? They're kind of struggling with it right now and wondering whether or not the NHL, uh, you know, respects them and has a place for them. What would you say to those younger players that haven't quite found themselves? I think uh, if you want to play in the NHL, there's always open spots uh, for anybody. Uh, like I said before, it doesn't matter where you come from, uh, what you're passionate about. I think uh, for me, I'll, I include every part of any one of my teammates. Uh, doesn't matter. Uh, I think just that that's a huge part of the hockey culture. Uh, we'll embrace anybody that comes in, uh, no matter uh, what they uh, like or uh, want to do with their lives. And Finally, any tips for people that perhaps have a platform and um, are a little worried about misrepresenting the values involved here? Center the impacted, right? Have people on your program who are members of the community who have, who have maybe faced some barriers to being a part of the sport that we all love, right? So that could be, you know, that can be some, sometimes fans, right? We're not, we're not just talking about you know, the pro player experience and, and we're, you know, there's a very small percentage of hockey athletes that make the professional level. Uh, so it can happen at, at all levels of, of hockey. So centering the impact is huge because a lot of times we get into situations and this is why allyship has been so heavily debated, especially in the last 12 to 18 months, because, you know, people say like, if you're trying to join this journey of allyship and you're making it about you, and you've made it about you and actually not the community that's really impacted, right? And so, you know, that, that term performative allyship maybe comes into play. And I think we've had some, again, uncomfortable conversations that have been very impactful in saying, well, if you are able to use your platform to center the impacted the way that, you know, the way that Curtis has done very well, it's very rarely Curtis talking about, you know, uh, his platform. And again, these are, these are not political issues. These are human issues, right? It, not, I, I, you know, to use the cliche, if you're good enough, you're good enough. If you can play, you can play. And that's what it really comes down to. When you show up at a Habs game at the Bell Center in the jersey, if you can bring your true self while wearing that jersey, that's the most important outcome. We don't have to become political experts. We don't have to lobby for policy. There are, there are gr groups out there that do that, you know, including you can play. But, you know, just, you know, starting with that platform, that philosophy of respect and accountability for when you mess up a little bit, 
and then centering the impacted uh, and, and, and making them the focal point of creating solutions, right? I, it's not my job to, you know, fix inclusivity in sport for the trans community in the United States. But I can bring on some of my colleagues who are members of the trans athlete community who have solutions and who have experience there and say, what do you think the solution is? And I can use my platform to do so. So that would be my advice is just center the impacted and we'll start with solutions from the actual community that has the best idea of how to get there. Thank you so much, Jonas. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Nick, thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, it's a really, really important subject. And uh, I learned a lot today. And I hope in the future, um, I will keep absorbing and learning because I, I don't think it's ever done, right? We're never done learning, right, Nick? No, you can learn something new every day.